So what consists FP? How do you do FP? Um, yes, uh, fu- in functional programming, the first thing that you need to know is all about pure functions. Pure functions are functions that are considered pure. Um, when does a function become impure or pure? A pure function is a function that, that processes a data input and outputs uh, and outputs a data which will which is gonna be consistent, right? So when that function does something outside of the function, inside the function, like when you're doing out from an outside source, when you need something from outside of that function, that is already considered impure because it will introduce side effects. What are the examples of pure functions? Another is when you, when you, when we go back to the, our previous example, the square function. Um, the square function will always output consi- consistent result. Like when you give it the number two, it will give back the number four, three, it will give back, us back the number nine. So hence, it is pure because it it has all all it needs. It just squares the function, I mean the number, and then it gives us consistent result. It will never gives us gives us nine when you input two, right? Um, what are the and the other end, What are the examples of impure functions? Like um, when we need when we do something like console log or IO tasks, right? When we get the date or when we need a file, it is impure because it already needs something. It does something outside of the function. When you get a file from a server, the, the file may not be there. So it will, you ha- your function should be ready for, for the, your code be breaking. So it already does outside of the functionality of your of what the task at the hand. Another is when you are getting the date, well time gives us different result every time. So because time changes. So it is already inconsistent, thus it is considered impure. Thus the side effects. Great, so what else is there in functional programming? So how do we use pure functions? So yes, when you're trying to create stuff, oftentimes you deal with like a huge chunk of data or as as simple as a collection of numbers, an array of numbers. So this data, when used in our, when we're trying to build a pure function, we use this data with the most basic tools there is today. and these are map, reduce, and filter. I hope you've heard of them. But yes, these functions are the most basic that when applied are gives a back whatever it is that you need from that data. So JP, you, I know you've done some JS in your time, so kindly explain to us these tools that can help us build pure functions. Yeah, um, map, Reduce and filter are actually pretty staple functions. You use them a lot if you're doing 
um, program because you always deal with data. These um, functions allow us to do functional programming, allow us to do declarative programming instead of imperative ones. These are um, alternatives to for loops, while loops. So with de when dealing with data, instead of looping over them individually, you just say map, we just yes. say reduce, or maybe just say filter. So let's give some examples. Now let's try map. With map, for example, uh, map transforms an array into another array using a function that you created, a, a pure function. So for example, if you have an array of one, two, and three, then we create, we have our, our scare Square function. We, we feed it to map, and then we process, uh, that processes the array and gives us a new array of the transformed data. So one, two, three, we use map and our square function, it becomes one, four, and nine. Yeah, so uh, moving on, we have the reduce function. In this example, so we have one, two, three, and then we have a function sum, which takes uh, two arguments and gives us the sum. So what will happen is we will, as the name suggests, reduce the array into a single value. So in this case, we use the sum function and we feed it into reduce, and then we transform, that transforms the data into a single value. So what happens is we have a, an array of one, two, and three. That becomes six. Six. That's what reduce does. Instead of just looping over it and you have a temporary variable to keep track of the sum, instead of using the for loops or while loops, you just say your data dot reduce and then your sum function. And then next is our filter. Now a filter is, it is as the name suggests. We just get the the values that um, that is that is relevant to you. Yeah. For example, we have an is even function. Now is even would accept a number and would tell us if it is if it is even by true, and if it gives us a false, then the number is odd or it is not even. So what we do is we have, for example, one, two, three, an array of numbers and we use that is even function with the filter function and then what happens is it will go through the array and just get the values that the for the is even function will return true for example in this case we will just get two because it's the only even there because is even would return two uh, would return true, true to two if the input is two so these three functions allow us to do functional programming, do, to do declarative programming on a series of data, on a collection of data. So we just use pure functions, no need to create for loops or while loops and create temporary data. We just use these functions and it will give us exactly what we want. Nice. Thanks, JP. So with all this talk of uh, functional programming and what it does, what composes it, um, why do we actually need functional programming? Yes, um, functional programming is 
much like a new discipline to master within each of our each of us because it's a mindset towards a code which is so much more beautiful i'm in love with it because our code should should all always been like this since the start because number one if your code consists of mainly pure functions which will output the same result consistently our code will be much way 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 cleaner and then our code will be testable which is the number one priority when you're working in an enterprise and when using fp when you have the right mindset your code will avo avoid unpredictable results since pure functions will always uh, are results which are consistent then when you're working in a team your team will not will not make a hard time debugging it and what's the most important thing in when you're doing fp is it your code will be optimizable and I'm going to throw it back to you, JP, to introduce to us and how things might get interesting when using FP in terms of optimization. Um, contrary to the popular belief that FP, I don't know if this really is popular, but some people are throwing shade at FP because uh, they say that it, it might be slow because of, of the uh, declarative nature of it because of the abstractions that make it declarative. Yeah, yeah and, and because uh, you normally do like for loops and we actually deal with the actual uh, indices and the elements of an array, for example. And in, in FP, we don't really deal with that because it's all abstracted um, because we're doing, we're doing programming in a declarative manner. But um, one of the uh, greatest assets of functional programming is that with pure functions, they're optimizable. Um, we have this process we call memoization, wherein we cache a function. Because functions, uh, because pure functions are consistent, we give it uh, something and it always gives us another thing that corresponds to that input. We can actually cache them, we can memoize them. For example, the Fibonacci um, functions, we can just cache the old value. Because usually when we do recursive processing, we, when we do recursive calls on a function, it, it, it stacks and it, it continuously uh, processes the previous number. But we can just cache it because the function is pure. And another thing is that with pure functions, we can parallelize. So instead of just doing it sequentially, because it is pure, where you do not have shared state, what we can do is um, just simultaneously run these functions because they do not depend on a single state. Just like multi-threading. Yeah, multi-threading without um, the problem of shared state. So you, you do not over override um, variables, you do, you do not override data that other uh, functions are referring to. Because they are pure functions, they are only concerned with what is inside them. So we avoid race conditions. Yeah, we avoid that. So and, and it makes it m that much faster because we are using uh, the multiple cores of our system. So that uh, with all of these optimizations, we can say that FP is not slow, and in fact, it is pretty. It is pretty fast.
Yes, that's true, JP. Also, one of the reasons why it's very timely to transition into FP is that most of the recent hype in the, the, the many UI libraries out there right now, one of them is the most popular is React and the likes, React Native. And so yes, React right now is, it is a front-end JavaScript UI library that shares the same discipline or it, it, it is the, of the same paradigm as FP. Maybe that's why FP has resurfaced because FP has been here for a long time now and it has caught up just recently because maybe because of React is everywhere. Everyone's using it. So us developers have rediscovered our our FP. We're, we're, we want to transition into that because React is everywhere and we're using it and uh, Facebook has, did, has done a great job of building it. React is, is, is ready for what is some call the component age where each component in the React uh, in your React project, it does one job. It can also be considered as a function in in your FP. So a React component does one thing, and ideally, that's it's supposed to be because in when you're coding. So that's what I think of why it's catching up right now. We just recently, maybe that's why. Maybe that's one of the reasons why FPS resurfaced. Yeah, and um, it's so popular now that um, there are new languages that are being created. Like, for example, we have uh, the new Elixir and the Clojure languages. Um, there are new languages that are of the functional paradigm because uh, these languages are being created because uh, people actually understand the merits of functional programming. So, um, don't just believe us and the hype of everything uh, about functional programming. Just Try it out and see for yourself. And maybe like us, you'll try digging deeper. And yes, if you're asking, there really is a deeper level to functional programming because functional programming has its roots, has its roots with mathematics. So we, ha we have a lot of concepts that are related with math in functional programming. So if you're ready, dive into it. Uh, functional programming is really great. It, it, Personally, it gives me joy programming in the functional paradigm. So that's it with this episode. Thank you, Ferdy. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Hey, guys. Good evening. It is 10.17 on my watch. And today we start the third episode of The Random Programmer. Here with me today is Ferdinand Amano of Gap Labs, and we'll be talking about functional programming, uh, among other stuff. So stay tuned. Functional programming is currently very popular, but it has just recently got traction. Is that the right term? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's currently very popular right now, so um, people are rushing to learn about it. Um, 
libraries, JS libraries like React, and a couple more have been um, have used it in their paradigms. And so, in order to um, make the most out of them, uh, it may be good to study what actually is functional programming. So here with me is Ferdinand Amano to talk about functional programming. So, hi Ferdy. Hello. Um, hi Japes. Um, to what you said about functional programming, I agree with having it catching up with today's fast and growing community of a lot of libraries that are present right now. Um, I will agree to that because in my experience, since uh, I've been to Gap Labs, um, I've been working in React, um, coding in React for about three years now or two. And I think it caught up and it caught my attention because of the, I mean the functional programming because it it's very useful and we're gonna talk a lot about it and how useful it is in this podcast yeah all right so what is functional programming um functional programming is basically is just a programming paradigm it's more of a mindset and it's a discipline it's like a what you've what we've been using before like the oop for those who don't know that it's a uh, object-oriented programming it's so yeah it's like that it's um, it it just avoid it's a way of coding to avoid uh, state mutation side effects and it focuses on data flow it tells the com- it tells the computer your program if you follow the the functional programming if you code in FP it, you will tell the computer what to do instead of showing it on how to do stuff. So what else can you say about functional programming? Ah, um, being a little bit more technical, it's being more declarative instead of being imperative. Declarative in a way that you don't have to worry what that function does, it just do it for you. Um, like think of it like HTML. You don't know how your browsers interpret or parses your code in HTML. It's just displace it like div. You just say, you just code div. You just code these. You just write these elements. It's attributes like yeah, and it just renders it in your favorite browsers. Um, another example while we're at it is React. React in, ju- in React, we just code your components and you pass it its props and it renders it. it you don't know how React puts that in, your, in, in the DOM. Um, another example for that is when you just declare a function for an event it behaves like that because you declared a function that yeah another example for this is that and a basic example is when you're trying to 
square, an array of values. In declaring a function on squaring an array of values, you don't worry about getting its index, getting its length, on how how, how many numbers are that are there in that array. So you don't have to worry about that anymore in being declarative. That's how it works in FB. Just pass it when you're expecting data. You declare a function that will uh, receive that data, and when that data arrives, it just returns what you're expecting. It, for example, and going back to the square function, it you you that squaring function. You just write the code in squaring each element in that array and it gives you back an array of squared numbers. You don't have to worry about anything else.